my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. How's everyone doing? I'm so happy to be back in front of the microphone and doing my thing with the Full House episodes. I had a really great time in Texas last week. Jeremy and I did a lot of fun things. We would have arrived on a Monday later in the evening, so we'd really, you know, he drove like eight hours, you know, both Sunday and Monday. I'm not big on driving on to places I'm not really familiar, especially when it comes to driving out of state. But Tuesday, we did take a trip to Dallas, and we did go on one of those city tours, which was really cool. The tour guide, actually, she was a really nice lady and just kind of introduced us to stuff. We went to Reunion Tower. We went to a couple of food trucks. Well, actually, the one I wanted, there was only two of them there, and the one I wanted to, it was like a, like Cuban food and stuff, and unfortunately when I walked over to it, they were already shutting it up. It's like, oh no. But the other one was like a taco truck, so I just, Jeremy got some like nachos, and I got, what did I get? Oh yeah, I had like a steak quesadilla, that's what I think I had, yeah, with sour cream, yep, yep. So that was Tuesday. Wednesday we actually went to, um... Oklahoma to a city where Jeremy spent some time of his childhood and he pointed out where he went to school high school and I think the junior high as well so that was really cool Thursday we went to visit the South Fork Ranch where they um, filmed a little bit of Dallas and that was kind of the place was the inspiration for the show Dallas and that was really awesome Friday, we um, we went to Irving, Texas, and we kind of looked around because we were, you know, thinking of moving to Texas in a, another year or most likely two years from now, and I wanted to check out Irving, and they had an AMC theater there, and we went and saw The Lion King. I was so looking forward to seeing this movie, only to be really disappointed. I really, I didn't like it. <laughs> It was verbatim, word for word, of the 1994 original, and I'm kind of with other people. It's just, the technology is there, you know, with the lines and everything, making them look realistic, but the heart and the emotion that we caught from the 1994 animated version, which I saw that in the theater. I was 11 going on 12 when I saw that, and I absolutely, I actually did rewatch it before we left on our trip, because that's what I had planned to do. I was like, I want to get, you know, watch the Lion And I've watched The Lion King practically almost every year since I was 12 years old. And I was just, you know, watching the movie, and there are just some things in it that I've seen the movie enough to know, like, certain musical cues. I mean, they're pretty much, you know, the same. But there is one that kind of irritated me, 
was when you know that sound, that score where at the end Simba is finally ascending Pride Rock, he's taking his place, and we get this beautiful build up, this momentum. And the thing is, they used that just before that scene when Raviki has to go and, you know, tumble around with, with the hyenas and everything. He's, you know, saving Pumbaa and Timon and Zazu. But when he appears, you hear the same music score. And I'm like, why would you do that? Just save it for the buildup of Simba ascending Pride Rock. I mean, that's... It just... Maybe that's being nitpicky, but it's like, that did not need to be there. And there's another scene as well. I think it was when... Yeah, remember the animated movie where Mufasa is telling Simba about the circle of life and everything? There is a the score in that scene that does not really fit the scene like it really the sound cue just is off for the scene itself it just it was a letdown let's just say that it really really was um one of the places i discovered in texas is the restaurant called whataburger and apparently it's, it's a big chain down there the one thing I discovered that is one of the most amazing things in the world to me, and I did bring one here with me back home, was the honey butter sauce. I had it with my french fries, and I'm like, ah, this is the best thing I've ever discovered in my life so far to this time, to this day. Like, wow, 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 wow. It's just, this sauce is too incredible for words it's so good i mean good doesn't even can't even come close to describing the amazing just all oh it's so good it's so good it's so good but you know overall we had a very good fun time i we you know it, it, it got up to like 99 even 100 degrees and it really it wasn't terrible but then again a lot of the time we were driving well, Jeremy was driving. I was. I read and completed three books on the trip. Because we um Sunday we were driving. Jeremy was driving for eight hours, and then of course the following Sunday or the following Sunday, <laughs> the following day that Monday when we got there, it, it was another eight hours, and then of course coming back, it's a you know eight hours to Missouri. We stopped for the night, and then we get up and then head on, you know, back home and everything, another eight hours. So I finish the Keeper of the Lost Cities book, Nightfall, book six, and oh, it was good. I, I, I got book seven. I'm going to start that shortly, but I want to do, you know, read some other stuff. But other than that, yeah, yeah, it's a great, great trip. A lot of fun stuff to see. My um my neck pillow, you know, the kind that wrap around your neck. Those are so great. Oh, and I also had like seat cushions from um that I gotten for my car. But I'm like, I'm gonna use a seat cushion because it's gonna come in really handy. Cause you know you're sitting for eight hours, and your butt's gonna hurt. I mean, we did stop and like stop for lunch and everything like that too. You know, stopped and got some souvenirs. Um, we went to 
Stuckies. I can't remember which one. Um, Stuckies. Uh, there's a TJ's attached to it, and I <laughs> got some corn nuggets. Um, I think in was it Oklahoma? Where are we stuck? Uh, at this McDonald's, and it was kind of interesting after I got I got a fish fillet thing and uh, when we were leaving there was this sign that said you know I guess McDonald's is doing some international like foods like um bacon and cheese fries or um there's this bacon type of burger thing with like bacon sauce and I don't know why it didn't click with me until later on when we go to another McDonald's I'm like oh this must just be <laughs> like advertising special like um you know what other countries their special what they consider great about you know their McDonald's like their special foods and stuff and no, in no way did I think like, oh, oh, this is something I actually have here that I could have. I didn't realize that until we um got to Oklahoma and stopped there. So I got one of those Struple like caramel sundaes, which was really good. And I got the the bacon fries also. Those were really good. Although that sandwich, that bacon McSmoky bacon sauce thing was that was a joke. That was ridiculous. Ugh. That was the saddest looking sandwich I had ever had in my life. Oh, we did go to Taco Bell and I tried those nacho fry, like, um, with the steak and everything in them. And they were really good. Um, we did stop at a KFC on the way back home. And I did get to try the, um, KFC, the Cheeto sandwich was really good. It's very messy, though. I really do advise napkins are not going to help you out. You need to, like, bring some wet naps and stuff, like moist towelettes, because, or definitely go to the bathroom. Do not touch anything. The thing is sopping with cheese juice. It, it's really good, but it's sopping with cheese juice. I, I learned, like, yeah, I... I don't know why I tend to make a mess when I eat. Sometimes Jeremy always likes to joke about like, hey, my side's pretty clean. Yours looks like a mess. <laughs> and all right, so we are going to do the, the <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I had to get up. We had to get up early and return the rental vehicle. Actually, it was pretty cool that um when we went down there, they didn't have any cars for us, apparently, right? I'm like, we have nothing available. It's like, um, we pre-ordered our vehicle three months ago and everything. So someone showed up with a van, and the lady's like, well, do you want a van? And Jeremy's like, he turns to me and says, do you want a van? I'm like, I look at it, I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh, okay. And it was really cool because um, a 2019 Dodge Grand Caravan. And I'd never, you know, we don't really need a van. We don't have any kids, but um, it was really cool. And I told Jeremy, I'm like, you know, it's going to be hard to go from sitting up top in a van, like high up, to sitting like in my little Honda Fit. Like, <laughs> it would be an adjustment. But yeah, I like how it also, the van had on the door, like one of those handles that you can like help pull yourself up into the vehicle. Like, I needed to do that a few times. Like, yeah. It also had a, um, where you, you know, uh, the, the screen where you can, like, see behind you, like, a backup camera, but one thing was 
well, I had to figure out when we got it because, you know, I wanted to hook up my iPod. And I had the aux cord and all that stuff. And I'm like, why isn't it doing it? Why isn't it doing it? And I'm hitting the aux button on the screen. And it's not doing anything. So finally, <laughs> I'm like, okay, here, let me type this into the internet. Oh, that's not helping. Let me type in 2019 Dodge Grand Caravan into the YouTube and see if something comes up. Luckily, something did come up, and I was able to... Whoa! Hey, London. Um, my rabbit's out and about. <laughs> um, but I was able to find out how to do that. I'm so proud of myself. Those little, little things, like, that I, I find out on my own. Like, oh, this person's going to show me how to do it, and I can do it from watching this video. It's like, wow, cool. <laughs> and I also had, like, whoever only used the vehicle a few times before us, it had their stuff in there, too, which was kind of funny. So, yeah. Alright, well, continuing on with the Full House Summer Fun Series, I'm going to be doing, covering Season 7, Episode 1, entitled, It Was a Dark and Stormy Night. This episode aired, this is a Season 7 premiere, it aired on September 14th, 1993. In this episode, DJ, Stephanie, and Michelle come home from summer camp. Michelle brings home a rabbit she was supposed to let go, but as Danny says, he, sh he should, what? But as Danny says, he should be let go. DJ, Stephanie, and Michelle go back to camp with Steve and let the rabbit go. Okay, a lot of emphasis on this rabbit. <laughs> When they get there, they find the bunny gone, Steve's car stuck, and a surprising visitor. Okay, I'm going to read what it says here on the DVD box. Boo! A really scary story Steve tells the girls at summer camp seems to be coming true. Ooh, yeah. This episode has a 7.1 out of 10 rating based on 151 ratings on IMDb. Director John Tracy, we got writers Jeff Franklin, who is the creator, we got Dennis Rinsler, the writer, and Mark Warren, writer. All right, let's see. What, ooh, we got some user reviews. Okay, 7 out of 10, a home away from home. This was actually from March 25th of 2019, so this review is fresh of this year. Season 7 is the start of Full House being a teen comedy with a great amount of focus in on the girls and little on the adults. The girls get back from Camp Lakota and it appears to be the best summer of their lives. The grown-ups miss them like crazy, but the girls seem to be more interested in what happened during the summer. I felt for the adults. Michelle brings home a rabbit, but is told that she needs to bring it back. When she and the girls and Steve do, thunder and lightning make it look like a Friday the 13th movie. Michelle thinks a horror story Steve told is true. Is it? Question mark. The camp stuff is just fun, but the best is when they reunite with the rest of the family. All right, this one's got an 8 out of 10. The one at summer camp. This one is from August 3rd of 2015. Warning, spoilers. We've all seen this. We know about tone. The spoilers will do nothing for us. I love this episode. It's a great season premiere and probably one of my all-time favorite season premieres, as well as one of my all-time favorite episodes from this season. In this episode, DJ, Stephanie, Michelle, and Kimmy all come home from summer camp. 
Tietje and Kimmy were all counselors, and Michelle and Stephanie were the campers. They weren't happy to come home, as they all had the best summer of their lives. Again, the best summer of their lives. <laughs> Michelle decides to bring home a bunny rabbit that she found at camp, and when DJ finds us out, she, her sisters, and Steve all go back up to the camp to return the rabbit to its home. But... Then they get there, discover the bunny is gone, Steve's car gets stuck, a huge storm comes, and so does an unexpected and surprising visitor. Overall, I give this episode an 8 out of 10, which in my ratings book is awesome. Here's a reference. The movie The Burning, 1981. Steve scares the campers with the story of the Cropsy Maniac. Alright, a former summer camp caretaker horribly burned from a prank gone wrong lurks around an upstate New York summer camp bent on killing the teenagers responsible for his disfigurement. Isn't that like exactly Friday the 13th? But this synopsis is even more scarier. A janitor at a summer camp is accidentally burned severely from a prank. Years later, he is released from an institute and returns to the camp with a pair of hedge clippers to take revenge on the campers. Wow, this poster makes it look like a straight-up porn flick. We got a man and woman who definitely look like they're not teenagers. They look like they're in their late 20s. He's got his shirt off. She may not have a top on. I don't know. The tagline is, A legend of terror is no longer is... Okay, a legend of terror is no camp... Fire story anymore. Okay, that is a sucky tagline. The burning. It will take you further than fear. We see large arms and hedge clippers pointed right at the man and the woman that look like they are getting to the bone zone in that disgusting, filthy, ugh, filthy lake. Ugh. Okay, I want to look up. There is a movie called Cropsy, which I thought that they're probably, you know, this could be based on a lot. Crop, crops, cropsy. C-R-O-P-S-Y. C-R-O-P-S-E-Y. Oh, oh, there are, oh my goodness, there's a lot of them. This one's cropsy is from 2009. Realizing the urban legend of their youth has actually come true, two filmmakers delve into the mystery surrounding five missing children and their real-life boogeyman linked to their disappearances. Okay, the Cropsy Incident from 2017. A group of online social justice activists ventured deep into the woods to uncover the truth behind a recent series of gruesome ritual murders and to capture the person responsible. But when they come face to face with, with is what they come face to face with is something more deadly than any serial killer, an urban legend that is very real and determined to make them his latest victims. Uh, here's something else called Dripple Young Campers Are Haunted by an Urban Legend. Crops, is that anything to do with? Oh, I don't know what that is. It just says crops. Cropsy, um, Cropsy speaks with Lou Dave. I don't know. I don't even think that has anything to do with that. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We got, connect ooh, we got trivia. The title refers to the phrase, It was a dark and stormy night, which was first used by Victorian novelist Edward Bulwer-Lytton L -Y -T -T -O -N, in the novel Paul Clifford in 1830. Later it became a cliché for long and ponderous writing, as was often used by Snoopy. What in the world? 
used by Snoopy in the comic strip Peanuts when he was writing his novels. Snoopy wrote novels? This is news to me. Oh, here we go. Oh, I gotta do um, a little trivia thing here. I put a trivia question for the bun bun that Michelle brings home with her, even though she was supposed to let it go in the woods. I'm gonna get on the care of this poor little bunny rabbit because it breaks my heart what I witness. It is not great. Hold on. Alright, the question I asked for a shout-out on the Season 7, Episode 1. It was a Dark and Stormy Night podcast episode. What is the name of the rabbit Michelle is holding? Joey Garcia 38 answered Gilbert. You got it correct. Also, also giving a shout-out to Lauren as well for getting the answer right. Gilbert. You know what I think, Gilbert? You want to know who I think of? Or what I think of? The movie What's Eating Gilbert Grape that had Leonardo DiCaprio playing a mentally mentally challenged kid. He did a oh, he did such an amazing job in that movie. Such an amazing job. Um, also today I picked up some uh, Snickers chocolate milk and a Twix chocolate milk. I tried the Snickers. I thought it was good. I got another box. I got two of the Twix and two of the Snickers, so I'm gonna try the Twix maybe later this week or something. But I, I, I liked it. I don't think I'm gonna buy it again. Part of me wishes I just bought one of each instead of two of each, but they were on sale. I couldn't resist. In the back of my mind, I'm like, but what if I like it and I want to have another one and it's not there? But. There's a goof here. When Michelle takes Gilbert out of her bag, the way she holds him changes between shots. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff to say about how this rabbit is handled on the show and the cage they put him in. I will get into that. So, alright. Uh, just to let you guys know that if you have Hulu, of course you probably already know, Full House is streaming on Hulu all eight seasons. If you're into Fuller House, you know that that is on Netflix. They are currently filming the fifth and final season. Maybe somehow there are petitions out there for Save Fuller House. So if you guys, I mean, I'm fine. Honestly, I mean, it'd be cool if another network picked it up. I'd be for that. But if it has to end, then I guess, then I guess, I, I don't know. It, it, I'm sad to see it go if it does. But... That's not to discourage others out there that want to have a petition to save the show. Definitely. I mean, if it worked for the show one one day at a time, then I'm sure that it can work for Fuller House. If you would like to follow along with the podcast, you can do so on Facebook at Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House podcast. Oops. On Instagram at OMHC Full House Fuller House Pod. On Twitter at OMHC Full House. Also, if you'd like to email the podcast, you can do so at OMHC FHFH Podcast at gmail.com. All right, without further ado, let's get into this summer filled episode. At the end of the podcast, I will let you know what is coming in August. The final. Full House Summer Fun Series episode is going to be Fuller House Season 2, Welcome Back, which is 
celebrating at the end of summer and Labor Day, the back to school end of summer celebration barbecue. But of course, before we get the actual episode, we have to see the cold open first. And of course, as you know, the cold opens usually since season two have involved Michelle, now that Becky and Jesse have the twins, and the twins are actually toddlers, they're putting them in the forefront of the cold open. Sometimes they also include Michelle, but this time Becky and Jesse are going up to their apartment. Jesse's got a camcorder. Becky is really excited because they just, the boys have finally transitioned from cribs into these adorable red and blue race car beds. I honestly think that Jesse and Becky are more literally more excited about these beds than the boys are. <laughs> Becky is dressed in all denim, denim long-sleeved button-up shirt, and, of course, jeans. Of course, you know, being... You know, they're their kids. They want to, Jesse and Becky want to record all of this footage so they can look back in, on it later and like, oh my goodness, remember when we got them beds and they hated them? <laughs> so I'm going to play this clip. their new beds, ran downstairs to get Danny's camcorder, came upstairs like, all right, it's going to be great, a golden moment in time that we're going to capture with footage. They open the bedroom door. What in the world? And, of course, the lights are off. So, yeah, when he opens the door, the room is dark. There is not a scrap of light in there. He's like, well, either... He says, either they're gone or I left the lens cap on. And Peggy's like, it's both, as she pulls off the lens cap. And these beds are absolutely beautiful. I mean, we have, each twin has a coordinated color. One has a blue race car bed with a blue pillowcase and blue and white striped sheets. The other one has a red race car bed with a red pillowcase and red and white striped sheets. I'm trying to remember, I think later we see Becky with Alex in the blue race car bed, and then Jesse is with Nikki in the red race car bed. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but I think I've seen this episode enough that I think I'm actually right. 
Becky turns on the lights. Of course, the kids are not there. I don't have kids. I'm sure that bedtime has got to be something that takes at least a couple or more hours. I can't see you putting your kids in their beds, shutting off the light, shutting the door, and then walking away and the, expecting the kids to just stay in there and actually fall asleep. It doesn't take long before we hear, <laughs> giggle, giggle, daddy, daddy. And they're like, oh, hmm, what's going on? And we see under the covers, we see movement. We see, we can't, it looks like something, something's under there. Something that's calling out daddy. Okay, um, this does not, well, that could be, because when they pull the sheet down, the kids have their heads against the pillows and they're up there. So maybe that could be their feet stretched way out there. I don't know. And one of the twins calls Jesse Big Daddy. And when they should be kind of saying, hey, you need to be in your own bed. So they're like tickling them saying, hey, you, you're supposed to be in your own bed, you little goob. And, and of course, like, no, no, we want to be in the big bed. And Jesse finally like, hey, get out of there, okay? You need to be in your bed. It's like, <laughs> you don't give the kids a choice. You pull them out of the bed. You go and take them to their own bed. I mean, how is this any different than having a puppy and trying to discipline it and saying, don't do that, don't get in the garbage, <laughs> let me take a picture. <laughs> but seriously, get out of the garbage. <laughs> if you're not going to reinforce, like, you know, correct bad behavior, I mean, Nikki and Alex aren't puppies, mind you, but um, they have the same amount of energy as a puppy. But even still, it's like, if you want to keep this behavior from um continuing you have to cut it off at the bass and say look no and as you're doing it you take them out of the bed and take them to their own bed and you have to stand firm on that like i said i don't have kids but this is just if i had a kid i would do that but then again me just saying this is not as all the you know cut and dry as like if i really had a kid maybe it'd be, it wouldn't be as just easy as saying that so they put them back on the bed, the kids pull the covers over their heads, and then Jesse's like, hey, cover me, Becky, I'm going in, and she's like, I'll get them from the side, and it's like, they're still, you're not, whatever, it's a cold open. Alright, so we open up the episode at Camp Lakota. We see a bunch of little cabins, we see an archway that has Camp Lakota, the Camp Lakota sign, which you would drive through. So we see in the cabin, we got Michelle, we got Denise there, and we see a girl named Danielle, which I don't believe we ever see again. And Michelle's like, I can't believe camp is over. Michelle hands Danielle something that she doesn't, says, oh, don't forget this. And she says goodbye to her. She's like, goodbye, Michelle. And Michelle's like, hey, thanks for teaching me how to power spit. Power spit? I looked up, is power spit a thing? I got something that says power spit move. Uh, power spit, or oh, power split. No, I spelled spit. What? Apparently power split is something to do with a Pokemon move. I don't know. So Michelle moves over to say goodbye to Denise, who is bent over her bed packing. And Michelle comes from behind and like, grabs Denise around the waist like she's about ready to give her the Heimlich Maneuver, like, goodbye, Denise! 
I'm gonna miss you so much. And Denise is like, <laughs> Michelle, I live right up the block. Seriously, I'm like right next to Teddy's house. Whoever, she doesn't know who Teddy is. I actually live in Teddy's house now. <laughs> and Michelle's like, yeah, I know that. I know you live down the block, but I mean, we can't hang out every single day anymore and scratch each other's mosquito bites. Ugh. I heard something from a neighbor when I was like 11, because, you know, being out in the country, you get a lot of mosquito bites. She said something like, if you take your fingernail, like, at the mosquito bite and make a little, like, like, cross, like, with your, like, with your nail, it's supposedly supposed to stop the itch. And I guess she's, I don't know if she said, like, it was a Native American thing, I don't know. All I remember is... Like, I can't, I don't even think that actually worked, <laughs> but <laughs> gullible me, 11-year-old gullible me, like, okay, cool, that'll stop my mosquito bites. It's kind of hard when you got, like, ten of them, like, on your arms, your legs, your face, your neck, ugh. So I'm guessing, the thing that I didn't understand, I know that DJ and Kimmy and Steve, they're, like, 16 years old, they're going to be camp counselors, so is... Stephanie, like, a junior camp counselor because she, unless there are kids there her age that she's also considered a camper, but I already, I was always under the impression, like, she was a camp counselor like DJ, Kimmy, and Steve, but maybe she's, like, a junior camp counselor in training. Ugh, and I really hate this term they use, chickadee. Ugh, I hate it. I don't like it. Makes me think of when I was at fifth grade camp, and I'll get more into that story later on because there are a little bit. It was only, like, I was only gone for a week when I was 11. But whenever the camp counselor would come into where we were, you know, sleeping and get us ready for the day, she'd always call us ladies, and I swear I had to... <laughs> to keep myself from throwing up. I don't like that term. Maybe because I was a tomboy growing up, but I really don't like that term when someone says ladies. <laughs> Nails on a chalkboard. Okay, here we go. We're going to meet Gilbert, the gray little bunny bunny. This is the most disgusting, rusted-out cage I have ever seen in my life. There's newspaper down there. No food, no water. This thing is... And they're gonna... She's gonna bring it home with her. Depending on how far away this camp is, that poor bunny rabbit's gonna die of dehydration in that car. That is... I know that Google didn't exist then, but seriously... That is not how you take care of a rabbit. And how long has he been under her her bunk? Just sitting there with no food, no water. So Michelle really doesn't want to let Gilbert go. Like, I'm sorry, I'd write to you every day, but you probably just eat the paper. This is where Stephanie, who's got, like, five or six bracelets on her arm, woven, you know, the kind that's made at camp. She's like, I know how you feel, kid. I made some friends myself this summer. As she starts counting out the guys on her. That all made bracelets for her. David, Billy, Sean, Greg. And she says, good thing I played hard to get. Oh my goodness, what do I spy on somebody's bunk? <gasps> 
It's ATMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, sleeping bag or bed sheets, I'm not sure which. Oh, wait, there's a pillow. I think, wait, no, that might not be a pillow. But, oh my gosh, I never noticed that before. <laughs> Goodbye, Gilbert. I'd write you every day, but you just need the paper. Oh, no. I know how you feel, kid. I made a few good friends myself this summer. I'm sure the poor rabbit is like, will you just let me go? My foot. He had like a broken leg and they all fixed it somehow with homemade tools and bandages and whatnot. And they're supposed to let him go, but Michelle does not want to give up her furry little friend. It's like, sweetie, you have a dog at home, okay? Bunny Bunny wants to be out free eating food, eating food, not newspaper, and maybe actually getting hydrated from a stream somewhere. DJ and Kimmy are like, all right, kiddos, time for you to shut your eyes and go to bed so us counselors can go party it up like it's 1999. Kimmy, 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 we all know that she has the craziest outfits. They're all wearing yellow Camp Lakota t-shirts because that is a uniform. If you're going to be a camp counselor, you gotta wear a t-shirt. Kimmy, her shorts look like boxer shorts. They are pool balls. All colors, red, yellow, black, blue, what have you. She's basically wearing men's boxer shorts. I mean, we all know she's got the crazy, kooky, outrageous outfits. We know that. It's like, seriously, DJ's wearing just some nice short jean shorts, and Kimmy's wearing men's boxer shorts. Oh, DJ says it's very important to get a lot of rest on the last night of camp. And Denise is like, oh, so we won't be tired tomorrow? And DJ's like, no, so the rest of us camp counselors can party. Attention, attention, lights out in five minutes. <laughs> nicknames for kids what she call um Nikki and Alex I can't remember when she was babysitting them but I love how she calls the, these kids twerp sickles <laughs> she's got oh crumb gobblers that was one of the things she called the twins when she was babysitting them so of course Stephanie and Kimmy always got to get their digs in at each other Kimmy's like oh blondie isn't past your bedtime and Stephanie mentions how, yeah, I think you need some beauty rest, Kimmy. I think a month will bring you up to it. And the kids turn on Kimmy like no tomorrow. It's like, oh, well, Stephanie doesn't take Kimmy seriously, so why should we, even though Kimmy is our camp counselor, because Stephanie's laughing, we're all going to make fun of you. Okay, Steve comes in. He's got a hand over his eyes like, hey, everyone decent in here? A man is entering, a teenage boy is entering the ladies' corridors of Camp Lakota. There are no adults, like an adult adult. 
they have to be somewhere. Unless they said, all right, DJ Steve Kimmy, you all look like very responsible teenagers. We are going to jet. We're going to go. We collected our paychecks. And we're going to leave it to you guys to, like, lock everything up, turn the lights off, and hand, you know, give the keys. Just leave them on the desk because we're, we're gone. We got to get back to civilization in our lives, like our actual jobs. Of course, DJ think, hi, Steve, how are you? And they kiss, and the girls, this one girl, I don't know who she is, but she's like, DJ, your husband's here. And, oh, it's just, it's cute. <laughs> I want to see if any of these other girls appear in any of the other Full House episodes. I thought this one girl who was talking back to DJ, like, oh, your boyfriend's here. I thought she was, like, Terry or something, who was, like, remember the episode when they all go to the Natural History Museum and Jesse and Danny have separate groups and Danny's is fine and normal, but Jesse's group is just all over the place acting cray-cray like you do. Dark and Stormy Night. Let's see what we got here with the cast. We got the regulars. We got... Miko Yum, I'm gonna mispronounce her name. Has she been in here before? Let's find out. Um, she was only in this episode. Uh, she was also in Beverly Hills 90210 as a singer in 1994. Cute. Um, the last thing she ever did was Hollywood Fiction, a TV movie in 2016. Good for you. She's probably moved on to do other things. When it said Miko, the first thing I thought was Miko Hughes, who plays Aaron Bailey, but no, that's not him. I love that Kimmy is wearing red Converse. Red Converse and red socks. Kimmy, thank you. Represented my favorite color, red. Male counselor entering Chickadee Bunk. Hi, Steve. <laughs> DJ, your husband's here. He's not my husband. Yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. DJ, your husband's here, and DJ, with Steve's arm slung around her shoulders, looks at the girl, kind of embarrassed, like, he's not my husband. And of course, we cut to Michelle saying, not yet, and I'm thinking, yeah, not yet, but he will be later, hopefully. That's what we all want, right? Season 5, Steve and DJ wedding, let's see it. So Denise actually is the one that does bring up, like, hey, Steve, it's the last night of camp, and you promised you would tell us that story about that maniac guy? And Steve's a little hesitant, like, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty scary. I think you all need to use the bathroom before I tell the story. And they're like, no, 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 we're fine. Just tell us a story. He's like, all right. So, of course, to set the mood, he turns the lights off, and he turns around to face the girls, and he's got a flashlight right underneath his chin to illuminate his face. Like, yeah, if you're going to tell a scary story, you turn the lights off, you got your flashlight, you set the mood. He looked out the window 
and saw a bulldozer bearing down in his cabin. Oh no! Greg ran to stop it, but his foot got caught in the broken floorboard. The thunder was so loud that nobody could hear Cropsy scream. story about a guy who had a cabin and a bulldozer came along and bulldozed his the guy tried to get away but the bulldozer just came flat in his cabin with him still inside tried to get away foot got caught in the floorboards i like how steve uses the effects with the um the shade that he pulls down, like, he pulls it up for effect, and it does a sound, which is really, really cool. And, of course, he says, you want to know what they built right over that cabin that they bulldozed? And he turns to the kids, and he's like, well, they built this, this camp. And every night, when every time when it storms and it thunders, and rains and all that stuff, he comes from out of the mud to find scared little campers. I'm not sure what Steve puts on his face, because he goes over somewhere and just rubs it all over his face and hands, so that way when he turns around and shines a flashlight in his face, his face is covered in some brown icky mess, which could be look like, you know, chocolate syrup or something like that. But definitely scared the kids. I mean, if you want to scare kids, I mean, nothing violent. He just says that the guy comes after kids to scare them. He doesn't say he comes after them with a chainsaw. He doesn't say he comes after them with a shotgun or an axe or anything like that. Because that is going to really mess with them if that were the case. But if you want to scare those kids, you say, oh yeah, there's this story about this guy who was buried alive underneath his, his cabin. And also, what was built over his cabin is this camp. You want to scare a kid, you put some realism into it. Kind of like um, in the season three, I think it's the episode of The Simpsons called The Auto Show, where uh, the bus driver Otto is staying with The Simpsons, and he's telling Lisa this urban legend about the axe murderer in the back seat and the high beams. You know the story. And she's like, oh, did that really happen? And he's like, yes. 
You want to know how I know? I was an axe murderer. And Lisa just screams her head off. It's like, you throw some realism to think that this could be something that actually happened. That's how you're going to get these kids freaked out. And of course, you know that this is going to come back later on. It just is. The one type of stories that um, definitely will scare the pants on you, <laughs> scare the pants off of you, if you're around their age, those scary stories to tell in the dark by Elvin Schwartz, I think it might be, they actually are making a movie that I think comes out in August. But I remember when I was in junior high, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, one of them, and I got in from the library, it was the cassette tapes of the stories. And the guy who does the narration, I'm not sure who it is, and I don't think it's the author, but when I came home, you know, my dad was working like his normal time. It was stormy out, the skies were gray, it was really dark and everything, and I put it in um, the tape player, the stereo. And I was just sitting there on the couch, and I eventually turned off the, I can't listen to this. Uh, the lights, you know, it was dark enough outside, but it still, it spooked me. But I have the stories uh, from a CD onto my iPod, so that way, around October, I'm always listening to those. I'm always listening to the Twilight Zone radio dramas is another. It's like, yeah, anything spooky to get you in the mood. But that you want to scare kids? Those stories are made to tell around either a campfire or in a, a room, you know, with kids, like, wanting to tell scary stories. That is, that's the way to go, is those books, the scary stories to tell in the dark will scare the bejesus out of ya. Of course, Michelle wimps out because they find her under the bed. He's like, oh, I didn't scare you, did I? And, of course, everyone looks to see Michelle underneath her bed. Like, oh, don't mind me, I was just looking for a sock. So we cut from plot A, which is the camp, to plot B, which is Jesse, Becky, with Nikki and Alex... And the whole transition of them going, not just now from their cribs to their beds, but transitioning them out of Jesse and Becky's big bed into their race car beds. Which, they should have cut the cord on, like, you are not sleeping in the bed with us. I'm sorry. They need to have a harder hand in, you know, being more demanding, more firm, and, you know, standing your ground and everything. Because they have a really, really bad night. They got the twins in the bed. The kids don't want to sleep. They're crawling all over Jesse and Becky. Becky's probably got to get up in the morning and go to work. Jesse's got the radio show, I think, at this point. So he doesn't have to be to work till much, much later. But even still, it's like you want to get a good night's sleep. Oh, and one more thing about Steve telling that story. I love how the audience just applauds afterwards. Like, he did such a great job just kind of bringing that story to life. The tossing and turning song. As the kids are crawling over all over Jesse and Becky on the bed, they're jumping up and down, probably jumping on body parts. Those kids are. So we cut to a shot outside the house. It's dark out. All the lights are off. And you hear the kids, <laughs> and you hear Jesse go, have mercy, and not in a good way. Um, last July, I stayed at my sister's place, and 
my youngest niece had gotten this kitten, even though she's allergic. Um, but I told Jeremy, I totally forgot what it was like having a kitten around. Because Nicole put the kitten, like, you know, shut it away in a bathroom or something. But all you hear is this, meow, 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 meow. It's like, even with a fan going, you can still hear it. So she finally just lets the cat out and, like, roam around. The cat comes up to the room that I'm staying in, jumps on the bed and everything is all in my face. Meow, 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 meow. And I'm like, oh, my God. Just settle down. And I'm pulling the cat off me. Like, uh, get on the floor, stay on the floor, jumps back up. Gets in my face. Like, right in my face. Finally, it's like, goes down to the foot of the bed. And it's just all over. Like, this cat is cute and it's needy and it just loves you and everything. But at, like, 1 a.m., I don't want to be loved on. I don't want you in my face. Like, I don't want that. And it just made me think, it's like, it had been a while since I'd had Quinn. And for a while, when we first brought her home, we did put her in a room until she was old enough to just, you know, wander around the house. But you'd hear that meow, 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 meow sound. And it, it, it's, it's cute and all when it's during the day and you're awake. When you're trying to sleep, it's like water torture. It's like, uh, stop, stop, stop. And to the point where you're just going to let them out anyway, like, forget it, just wander around, I don't care, I gotta get some sleep. I can only imagine what that would be like, you know, for puppy raisers, because you don't really have to take a kitten outside to go to the bathroom. You do with a puppy. So we cut down to the kitchen, and Joey notices that Jesse is really, he looks rough. Looks like he's just sitting in that chair just falling asleep it's like yeah you had a rough night jess and joe uh jess jesse's like yeah you know i mean the twins they're not they won't get out of our beds they won't sleep in their new beds and have you ever tried to sleep with a toe in your ear ew and joey's like oh well not someone else's ugh so, Joey is actually making the girls a welcome home meal. Guys, this is season seven. We know Joey really is not the greatest cook. So, I'm really a little nervous about what he's actually making for them. And meanwhile, I mean, these girls have probably been gone for, what, six, seven weeks maybe? So, they're used to having camp food and everything like that. So, it's going to be an interesting transition going from something you've had, like, three times a day for like the last month and a half to going back to having home-cooked meals again. All right, he's made all the girls' favorites. Let's see if he lists them. Now, he does not list what he made for them, but Jesse gets up, goes over to the fridge and says, I miss the girls so much, I must have read Michelle's postcard a hundred times. And all it says is, Dear family, I have to write this or I can't go to lunch. So we got some drawings on the fridge. We got a... A pig magnet, which that's kind of cute. And Jesse says it's the first time I've gotten through it without crying, but Je uh, Joey is right over Jesse's shoulder, just tearing up. Like, oh my gosh, he gets me right here. All right, Danny's got the girls. He's got Michelle hanging on to her. And Stephanie and DJ are like right behind them. Oh, I was 
send for the transcripts. notices as everybody wanted to you know rewatch and break the the scene down as the girls come in comment comes in after you know jesse and joey do because becky comes down the stairs with the twins so comment is right along joey's right side but joey like takes his hand and like pushes comment out from like get out of the way get wait i wanna i wanna put yeah i'm gonna get a shot of that it's like dude Maybe Comet was in his way. It's like, you're preventing me from continuing the scene and saying my line. Comet, get out of the way. And I almost love the way that he does it. It's almost slightly roughly. It's like, get out of my way. So the, the guys are all hugging the girls, like, happy they're there. And then, of course, Becky's like, hey, tell us all about camp. We want to hear everything. And Stephanie and DJ just started camping and canoeing and fishing and blah, 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 blah. And Becky's like, you know what? Maybe I'll just send for the transcripts. <laughs> oh, DJ says being a counselor was incredible. Swimming and fishing and canoeing. So Jesse and Becky put the twins on the couch. Michelle sits next to them and pulls out the crafts that she made. And they're cute little, like, almost paper mache-ish 
lion masks with with the eyes cut out and the little mouth hole and everything and it's like got string and it's got like uh, on the back of it to hold it on your face it's got like um little bits of uh not paper mache but like crepe paper like red crepe paper around the face to represent the mane it's really good detail he said that so there's a lion for nikki who's sitting next to becky because apparently his favorite animal is a lion. She says, I also made a lion for Alex because, well, that's all we learned how to make. And Becky prompts them to say thank you. Like, what do you say to Michelle? And they're like, grr, 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 because they have the masks on. And it's just like, aww, that's so cute. And Becky's like, oh, uh, she translates like, oh, that's a thank you in Lionese. She calls them VC boys as she takes the masks from them and says, even kings of the jungle need their rest. So she pats their tummies, like, all right, time to go sleep in your new race car beds. And like, no, big bed. Like, uh, no, you're going to sleep in your race car beds. And I was just kind of thinking about this earlier. Um, what if it might be a bit of a stretch, but what Although, although, I thought, what if Jesse and Becky were to sleep on the floor, you know, next to the beds? Maybe that might help them. Granted, that's not going to help them. <laughs> because later on, Jesse and Becky, actually, they're in the beds with Nikki and Alex trying to get them to fall asleep and everything. Maybe if we're there in the beds with them, even though, you know, they're adults, it's got to be really cramped and tight. And they're like, maybe this will just help. Maybe they just want to be by us. And that way we can kind of help them get to sleep that way. No, they hate the beds, but I'll get more on that later. So Becky exits with the boys to take them upstairs for a nap. And Nathaniel's like, girls, hold on to your hats. We have got a great welcome home celebration for you. You have no idea how great this is going to be. Joey has prepared all of the girls' favorite foods. And Stephanie's like, oh, really? So you made chip beef and bug juice? And Joey's like, uh, no. And even DJ's like, Steph, he can't make that. That's camp food. And besides, nobody makes it better than Greasy Abe. And the look on Danny's face is like, who is this Greasy Abe? He sounds... But, I mean, come on, come on. It's He's like, there was no Greasy Abe in that... Oh, sure, when I decided to send you girls to that camp, now I am very concerned. Like, Danny, it's fine. He's just a cook. That's probably a nickname. He said the kids can all call him Greasy Abe. And I'm kind of thinking, I mean, the girls, they're still running high on this camp high of... I mean, they just spent the last, like, what, six weeks at this camp. So they're still... They haven't transitioned into being home yet. Even though they're there, their minds and everything else is still at that camp having the best summer of their lives. And I'm kind of thinking how, yeah, even though it's like, Joey, if he were even able to make it, it may not taste the same. You're not going to have that same feeling as if you were at camp. It's not going to be, like, the same experience. So, Jesse, of course, he's always called Michelle Munchkin. Now she kind of is like, hey, I don't really like that. Can you not call me that anymore? And he's like, well, 
I mean, if you really don't want me to call you this, but, I mean, I've been calling you that since day one. He has. He's been calling her Munchkin and Ankle Biter and Short Stuff, all these nicknames. But he's really stuck with Munchkin. And the reason she doesn't want him to call her that anymore is because every kid at the camp called her Trail Mix, which... That's your camp name. Do you really want to bring that home and have your family? Oh, everyone here called me this. Can you call me that too? That's not going to have the same effect. It's not going to have the same meaning. Which they they just, they are riding on that camp fantasy high. They don't want to let it go. They want to they wanna have the food. They want to have the nicknames. They want to... Believe you me, when I came home from that camp, I was glad. To, I I wanted to go home the first night. I just was not having a good time. My grandma said, look, just suck it up and deal with it, okay? Just just give it a chance. Give it a couple days. I can't even remember where that camp even was. I know it was still in the same state. I remember the bus ride up, too, because it was me and one other kid from my class were the only ones that got permission slips signed, apparently. Because no one else that was in my grade in my class even went with me except for one kid. And being that it was a guy, when were we ever going to see each other? But I'm sitting in my seat, and of course the windows are open because it's hot. And there's a bee that comes right in the window. It's like hanging right around that area. And I start freaking out. You know, who likes bees? I don't like bees. And this guy who was, I think he was going to be, he was like a teacher, volunteer, counselor, what have you, like, notice me freaking out, and then he gets all angry, like, hey, you need to, like, chill out, or you need to, like, relax, it's just a bug, it's just a bee, it's like, like, yeah, because I really want to sit there and get stung, later on, actually, since I was in fifth grade, that guy would later the following year in junior high be my computer teacher for sixth, seventh, and possibly eighth grade. So, Jessie is, like, kind of joking about her name, making fun of it, like, oh, yeah, trail mix, that's cute. I mean, <laughs> if you're a raisin, as he's, like, looking away from, and Michelle's looking away when he says it, but she clearly hears him and says, oh, uh, what was that, Uncle Jesse? He's like, oh, well, it's amazing how cute that name is, as he kind of tucks her under the chin. I noticed the, um, the drum set from the season six, episode one, Come Fly With Me episode that Nikki and Alex were playing on. We also get that in um, the Driving Miss DJ. No, that not that one, not that one. It was the um, Grand, Grand Gift Auto or something. Grand Theft, some, oh, let me look it up. Grand Gift Auto, that's a play on Grand Theft Auto. Okay, so that, in that episode, that whole thing comes back with Nikki and Alex playing on the drum set because Danny is trying to distract DJ from using her new car that Joey gave her because they gotta, like, Jesse and Joey gotta work out some kinks with the oil and, and other things. It just needs some, things just need adjusting. So, Stephanie excuses herself to write letters to David, Billy, Sean, and Greg. And, of course, Danny looks at her like, uh, those sound like boys' names. And Joey, of course, is like, by Jove, Governor, I think you've cracked the code. Or you've cracked the code, Governor. Like, yes, Stephanie's 11. She's gonna be into the boys.
Which how funny that, I mean, depending on where the... Hey, Quinny. <laughs> nice to see you, too. There's not a lot of room on this table to walk around, so please be careful. But depending on if this camp is one that brings kids in from not just, like, California, San Francisco, but probably, like, Utah, Nevada, even farther out states, maybe Texas, maybe wherever, Washington, Seattle, I don't know. So she's probably going to write them letters because long distance was still crazy expensive. I had a friend that lived probably a half hour or more away from me, and I could barely call her on the phone because it was that expensive. So I had to sometimes settle for writing letters, too. So, of course, DJ's like, hey, I want to give Steve a call. This is the longest time we've been apart all summer because they've seen her, each other, like, 24-7 for the last six weeks. The girls are all kind of off. They want to do their own thing. They're still high off that buzz from camp. Danny's like, well, wait, we're supposed to, like, rebond and, like, talk and have a good time and just, you know, regroup as a family. And even Stephanie's like, well, can we do all that later? I mean, we're still... Michelle wants to find out if her clothes still smell, smell like camp. Like, yeah, as long as they're... Stop! Clean! What are you doing? Ugh, if you're going to be on this table, you're going to behave or you can go take your chances with London on the floor. Which, yeah, I'm sure they'll smell like camp, but as soon as you... What are you doing now? Stop it! What are you doing? Oh, my goodness, this kitty. I love her, but my goodness. There is no room for you on this table, girl. But yeah, as soon as you open that bag, that the camp smell will be there, but as soon as those clothes are washed, that smell is not going to be there. The girls all grab their stuff, their sleeping bags, their tote bags, and they go upstairs singing the Camp Lakota song. And, of course, Danny is surprised. Like, I thought these girls would be more happy to be home. I remember when I went to camp, I came home and I kissed my floor, my bed... And, and Joey's like, Danny, you went to a day camp. And Danny, of course, is like, hey, it was a really long day. He was probably there for like eight hours. Oh, Danny says, I kissed my parents. I kissed my bed. I kissed the floor. All right, now we're in the girls' room. And DJ comes in because now it's just Stephanie and Michelle that share a room instead of, you know, DJ's older. She's got her own room. And she wants to know where those plastic sandals were that she loaned to Stephanie. Apparently, they're at the bottom of the lake. And she and DJ get into an argument. Like I told you, those sandals would not fit your feet. Now they're gone. You owe me like $10 or more. I got some flip-flops from like, I think it was Walmart for like 6 bucks. And I don't wear flip-flops. Careful. For heaven's sake. Yeah, I put those seat cushions on the uh, counter, and apparently Quinn decided to jump on them, and they tipped forward. Luckily, cats land on their feet. It was just from the kitchen counter. She's fine. But it's like, oh my goodness, this kitty. But Stephanie and DJ start arguing. Michelle's like, hey, shut your mouths. I got a frightened rabbit here. And they're like, oh, really, Michelle? You were supposed to let him go. Not leave him in a cage with no food and no water. Because that poor bunny rabbit is... Wait. Was she... It in that... I don't think... No! She put... Oh my god. She put this rabbit 
in a duffel bag. That's a great way to suffocate the poor animal. Hey, Steph, do you have those plastic sandals I lent you? No, but I know where they are. Great, where are they? At the bottom of the lake. I told you they wouldn't fit. It's not my fault you have big feet. Oh my god, you put them in that bag. Gilbert? Crap all over that bag. Oh, I'm scared. I tried, but I didn't want to. You didn't try. Oh, come on. It's true. I asked him if he wanted to go back to the woods, and he went. So DJ's like, oh, Gilbert? You mean the floppy-nosed, carrot-breathed Gilbert? And Michelle's like, easy, he's very sensitive about his breath. She pulls him out of a duffel bag. Michelle, he could have died in that thing. He could have died. I'm surprised he's not, like, covered in, like, sweat and, and his own urine and filth because he's probably frightened to death. And he's, and Stephanie's like, you were supposed to leave him there. And Michelle's like, well, I tried. Yeah, she quote-unquote tried to leave him there. And she's like, oh, I asked him, I said, you want to go back to the forest? And he, she starts, like, scrunching up her nose, like, yeah, that's what his answer was. He's like, no, that's how he breathes, sweetie. You just wanted another pet. Okay, you know what? I was way off base is the amount of time that the girls were there. They were only there for three weeks, not six, not seven. Because Danny comes in, he's got his laundry basket, he's like, I've been waiting three weeks to get at all these stubborn grass stains. You know, sweat stains, dirt stains, what have you. So Dan, as he's just pulling clothes off the bed and on the floor, off the floor and everything, Ste uh, DJ and Stephanie are trying to appear normal as Michelle is just sitting on Stephanie's bed with the bunny. No cares in the world whatsoever. Like, oh, I don't care. I'm just spending this bunny. I don't care if my dad sees me. I'm going to play this clip. It's easily. Like, we got your darts. We got your lights. He looks at Michelle holding the rabbit. We have a bunny rabbit. Why do you have a rabbit? Why are you holding a rabbit? She's like, oh, well, because he likes to be held. We've got your darts. We've got <laughs> your lights. We've got a rabbit. Why are you holding a rabbit? Because he likes to be held. His name is Gilbert. He had a broken leg when we found him. But we nursed him back to health, and Michelle was supposed to set him free in the woods. Way to go, trail mix. So Stephanie explains that, you know, they found him in the woods, he had a broken leg, they nursed him back to health, and they were supposed to let him go, but Michelle didn't. Steve, of course, covers his eyes, knocks on the door, says, male counselor entering chickadee bedroom. Oh, I hate that chickadee. I don't like it. I don't. It, it, it grinds my gears even worse than when those counselors called us ladies. <laughs> and even, uh, DJ goes right over to hug Steve. Like, oh, I was just about to call you. Danny gets up like, uh, uh, Steve, um, you're here. Why? Uh, your parents. I don't. You want to see them? He's like, yeah, I, I saw them. They're they're pretty much. Look just like they did when I left three weeks ago. <laughs> so Steve goes over, sees Gilbert, gives him a little pat on the head. And, of course, 
Danny's like, Michelle, you know we can't keep this rabbit here. He needs to be with his friends. Michelle's like, but I am his friend. And Danny's like, sweetie, no, you know what I mean. I mean his forest friends. You need to take him back. And, of course, Steve volunteers, like, hey, look, I can run the little guy up there. Don't worry about it. DJ's like, I want to go. And then Stephanie and Michelle are like, yeah, us too. And Danny's a little like, no, wait, 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 wait. You girls just got back. We're still trying to bond. I'm still bonding with you and making up for the three weeks that I sat alone in my room crying because you weren't here. And I'm sure that Jesse and Becky and Joey can all vouch for that. Yeah, the girls just want to go back to camp. They just, but they're going to get a harsh reality when they arrive. That it's not going to be anything like what they remembered. I'm going to play this clip. Michelle. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry, but you know Gilbert can't stay here. He belongs with his friends. But I am his friend. No, you know what I mean. I mean, I mean his forest friends. You know, the ones with, with fur and four legs who breed indiscriminately. <laughs> Honey, you know where he belongs, and it's not in a gym bag. I know, Dad. Gilbert, you need to go home. I'll run the little furball back up to camp. Oh, I'll go with you. Me too. <laughs> Me three. Well, great, man. You guys just got home. Oh, come on now, please. Just an hour away. This is great. We were so bummed out about leaving camp, but now we can go back. Let's move it. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Right, okay, when you guys come back, we're going to have some real quality time together, okay? Welcome home, girls. Oh, Danny. So this camp is really, like, only an hour away. And the girls all like, like, hey, we all want to go. Michelle, of course, they must have gotten a box later on because we see her still holding him. And I, when Michelle's like, I'm sorry, Gilbert, you have to go home. And I'm just thinking, yeah, that's what I was trying to tell you, Michelle, before you stuffed me into that duffel bag and zipped me up in there where I couldn't breathe. So the girls are all, you can hear them down the stairs chanting, Lakota, Lakota, we love you, Lakota, Lakota, Lakota. And it's dark, it's rainy, clearly everything has been, all the, most of the, the bumps have all been kind of, uh, put up against the wall. And apparently this is the same area that they were in that just looks, everything just looks put away, like the, whatever was there before, everything's been cleaned out. It probably, there's a chalkboard sign that probably says, see you next summer. Michelle's got this giant cardboard box that she herself could probably fit her whole body into. And doesn't even notice, we'll learn later, that there is Gilbert chewed his way out. Which, I don't understand why the girls even had to get out of the car to begin with. All you gotta do, because you're not letting the animal go inside that cabin. The only one that needs to be out there is just, Michelle, go take it, you know, away from the car so it doesn't get run over. And it will scamper off. It will find shelter. That's what rabbits do. It's, they're in their blood, their instinct. They know how to take care of themselves. 
But they, I bet anything, like, hey, Steve, look, we want to, like, go into the cabin that we stayed at and just kind of see what it looks like now that nobody's here. But boy, oh boy, are they in for a rude awakening. Shouldn't have brought him home to begin with, Michelle. different doesn't even look like it did like when we were here like five hours ago the you know the lights are off apparently they still have electricity running because they turned the light on so stephanie says look michelle just dump the rabbit out of the box and let's just get out of here it's like so what they were gonna just leave it in that cabin or maybe they're i mean that's if they're going to just drop it there and let it just go out the doorway, it's going to get wet regardless. So what is the... I think they just needed to see that their camp experience, this... It's almost like, say, um, like, if you went with your parents to, like, parent-teacher conferences or something, and you're just, like, walking around the halls, it feels a lot different than, say, on a Monday morning when the halls are, like flooded with kids at like eight in the morning compared to some lights not being off the classrooms some of the lights are off the doors are locked the tables and chairs are all stacked and everything like that it's kind of like that scenario so steve comes in to tell them look i'm sorry that the rabbit is missing that it chewed out of the box and we got bigger problems. My car is stuck in a big slimy mud puddle. Of course, ding, 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 mud being the magic word. Michelle freaks out like, oh, no, he's out there. And they, they all look at her like, what are you talking about? It's like, hello, mud, cropsy. That story you scared the crap out of us with, Steve. Remember that? Yeah. Steve said in the story, whenever it's rainy. Or it's muddy. Expect Cropsy to show up and scare you. Alright, now we're back at the house for plot B. We got Becky in the race car bed with Alex. I love this whole spelling thing that he and Becky kind of got going. Quinn, you need to be careful that it's a TV trade. It's not meant to support your 14 pound body. Basically, let's get the boys to S-L-E-E-P so we can get the H-E-C-K-O-U-T. They have this big plastic football that's basically a, um, a toy bin. 
This is such a cute scene with them, like, trying to get the boys to fall asleep. And Jesse and Becky, after how many countless sleepless nights, are just like, let's get them to bed. They're like, say goodnight, Daddy. Say goodnight, Nikki. And then Jesse's like, all right. Nikki, say goodnight to Alex and goodnight, Mommy. And they both do. Like, all right, all right, come on. We're going to race off to sleep. Come on, come on. And of course, Alex is like, no, bad bed, as he slaps it. Like, no, no, it's not a bad bed. It's a nice bed, comfy bed, expensive bed. I don't want to know how much those things cost. Bad, yucky. <laughs> so Becky is just about ready to throw in the towel. Like, let's face it, Jess, these kids, we're going to be sleeping like this in these beds until these kids are ready to go off to college. And Jesse's more optimistic. Like, look, they're going to be out like a light. Like, are you sure about that? <laughs> you get that curiosity music going as Jesse and Becky pretty much, they're out. They're out. And Nikki and all that's kind of look at each other from across the room. Like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? They get out of the bed and they race over to Jesse and Becky's bed and they climb in. Like, yeah, you knew that that was going to happen. Oh, they even <laughs> remember to turn the light off. <laughs> Okay, come on now. Now, let's, uh, let's get the boys to S-L-E-E-P so we can get the H-E-C-K-O-U-T. Okay, F-I-R-S-T-W-E-S-H-O-U-L-D. Hold on, let me get a crayon. Honey, never mind. Let's just get on with it. I'm exhausted. Me too. Okay, come on. Let's go to sleep now. Let's go to sleep in our race car bed, okay? I'm gonna race on the sleep. Um, um, so, say goodnight, Daddy. That's cute, and they hold each other, and they, night, brother, night, brother, and they go to sleep. So I'm kind of looking at what race car beds nowadays cost, like at Walmart. Mm, I'd say anywhere from like 150 to 200 bucks. Um, there's a Cars one, Disney's Cars one for 79. Um, there's Turbo Race Car Twin Bed. Okay, that's 185. Oh, that's kind of nice. I like that. Oh, that's cute. Oh, this one's cute. It's got a canopy. And it's got a 6897. Oh, that one's kind of cool. Oh, that one's a Batman one. That's $242. All right, now we're heading back to camp. So DJ apparently is left with, you know, trying to help Steve get the car out of the mud puddle. And we got Stephanie and Michelle kind of hanging out inside. They're staying out of the rain. 
Oh, um, I'm seeing that the sign says see you next year. Gotcha. And Michelle's creeped out about Cropsy. I get it. She's freaked out. It's rainy. Supposedly she thinks that that guy was buried in his cabin and that that camp was built right where his body is. And he was buried alive, so apparently he can come back and scare everybody. Stephanie's trying to, like, hey, look, no, can counselors just say that stuff so that way you kids will go to bed and counselors can make out. Of course, the door opens slowly. Michelle and Stephanie are clinging to each other, scared to death, only for it to be revealed that it is DJ. And Stephanie goes over, like, oh, poor little Michelle was so scared. And DJ's like, great, you can take your nails out of my arm now, Steph. Jeez. All right, well, it goes from bad to worse because now the electricity goes out. Ah! And, of course, Stephanie is none too... She's like, okay, I'm out of here. Taxi, Uber, what have you. So Steve came in the back door scaring the girls again. We get another jump scare. And he says, look, I, I, I've tried everything I can. I cannot get my car out of the mud. And apparently the storm blew all the phone lines down. Why is that place even open? That place should be shut down. The doors should be all locked. There should be a gate up not letting anybody in. Of course we hear uh, like a twig snap outside. And we hear the... And the girls and Steve are all like clinging to each other, scared to death. And Steve chalks it up to, oh, it's probably just the wind. Stephanie's like, it's never just the wind. Like, shut up. You're going to draw attention if you're screaming, Stephanie. So the girls all grab a broom. So they're going to rush the door. And Steve, of course, Mr. Captain of the wrestling team, is like, I was on the wrestling team for about three years. Maybe four years would have been better. We got a figure covered head to toe. In mud. You can't see his face because it's dark out. The girls are screaming. Steve runs at him, gets the guy in a headlock, not realizing who it will later turn out to be. And of course, the girls rush the door when someone else comes in with a flashlight and saying, Girls, girls, it's me, your father. So I'm going to play this clip. Sticky floor. 
it's played for laughs that Steve's got Joey in a headlock as Danny points out to Steve like hey Steve you captured the wrong maniac that's not Cropsy it's Joey he fell in the mud and Joey of course pretends that the headlock that Steve had him in cut off his oxygen and he passes out and Danny's got the duffel bag that has guilt he's back in the duffel bag everybody ugh but that makes no sense we saw her leave the room with Gilbert. And apparently somehow there's a box that doesn't... So, did they put him in the box with, you know, a blanket and a part of a carrot? And then they just sat around talking for a few minutes about how they need to get there, what they needed to do while Gilbert chewed his way out of the box? Yeah. I'm sure that rabbit's like, get me out of here, I don't want to be anywhere near this family. This girl, I've already been put inside a duffel bag, zipped up, scared to death. I don't want to see any humans ever again. Poor Gilbert. Poor Gilbert. My heart goes out to you, buddy. So I like what Danny says here when Michelle turns to Danny and says, why did we come back here? Because, you know, of course it's not the same. They came back there with the illusion of, you know, how fun camp was. And let's go back again and hope we can get that same nostalgic feeling. Like we're trying to recreate that at home with having Joey attempt to make bug juice and chip beef. And having Uncle Jesse call me a new nickname because everyone at camp called it to me. It's like they're trying to hold on to something that... Really, you can only get that feeling with you're in a certain place. And I like what Danny says about how it's kind of like when you go to the movies. After the movie is over, the lights come back on, the story's over. It's still in your head and in your mind, but then you're left with the reality of the sticky floor and, and everything like that. But I like how he compares that to what this is, that, that magic that they felt while they were there. And now all they're left with is a dingy, wet uh, cabin floor, and just, I think, I kind of wonder if that would even kind of tarnish, like, their good memories by this bad memory, like, great, now whenever I come back here, I'm going to think to the time when I was scared to death that Cropsy was going to kill me, and the power went out, and we lost a rabbit, like, mm. The music that kind of plays almost, you'd think that they lived at that cabin and they were moving out and never coming back to it, the way that music just swells up like that. Yeah, like I said, my camping experience wasn't great. Not only with the crying and wanting to go home and call my grandma that first night and her just tell me to stick it out. I remember we were, like, walking... On the, it wasn't so much a trail as it was like um, a wooden path that had like a, like a creek right next to it. And we were, they were like, just stay on the path and you'll be fine. And I don't know whether I tripped or whatever, but my foot went in the water. My whole, my left foot was completely soaked. 
Also, of course, we had to be in, like, canoes, and, of course, the canoes only held two people. It was me and this one girl that was bossy, kept bossing me, like, No, you're not going fast enough with the paddle! You're going too slow! No, you have to do it this way! And then in Arts and Crafts, I was making something, and this girl thought she had the right to judge what I was working on. Like, oh, I don't think you should do that. I think you should do this instead. It's like, you're turning this into a suck fest. Ugh. And mind you, most of those kids that were in the same grade with me, I wasn't in the same class with them. So, yeah, it just was not a good fit. It was not a good time. I didn't like it. Oh, yeah, and the skit that we all, we all were broken down into, like, groups of, like, four girls. And we had to do some stupid skit. And you know me, like, enough that I've said in the past that I was really, really shy. I still am a little bit. But having done this podcast is helping me come out of my shell a little bit. But it was really stupid. We had to do this skit about this piece of gum that was on the ground. And something about a dog peeing on this piece of gum. And it's just, it was so stupid. And I just looking back on it now, I'm like, I remember sitting there hoping that we'd have to go last. Like, every time another group went up, I knew that our group was going to be called soon to go up in front of everybody and perform this stupid play skit thing. And it was just so, so nerve-wracking. And I was so determined each day that I was going to go. It was like, I think it was from, like, Tuesday until, like, Friday the camp was, but every day I was so determined that day I was going to go home that I take my sleeping bag and roll it up. And I remember like, why are you doing that? And I was like, I don't know. It's because I was determined. I ended up having no choice but to stick it out the whole time that I was there. And I just, I hated it. I, um, before we went to, to dinner and everything like that, when, you know, we all, you know, went to the bathroom and Nothing is more worse than when you're having issues and there's a line of people out there. And I'm just like, it was just stressful. It's like, I can't force this. This sucks. By the time I got out of the bathroom, everyone else had moved on to like the dinner cabin or wherever else we were going. I can't remember. But luckily, that was my only camping experience. All right, now we are going to the Tanner family fun home from camp celebration. They got food, they got s'mores that Danny is roasting marshmallows out of the little fireplace. We don't get a lot of action from that fireplace very often, but... So he takes them and hands them to Michelle, says, careful, they're really hot. He puts them on a paper plate. And Michelle takes them and says, oh, these are hot. She sets them down right on the couch seat. You know somebody's going to sit on that and get scalding burns on their behind. Especially if those came right out of the fire. It's like that is going to be bubbling, boiling, hot marshmallow liquid.
Oh, come on! With a whipped cream up the butt crack? You kidding me? <laughs> no. I can't resist. Oh, that is so gross. Oh, that is nasty. Greasy and like, oh, I bet Greasy Abe never made tomorrow's like these, did he? Like, no, I guess not. Jeez. Danny, you've never met this man. He was feeding your kids for three weeks. You owe him a thank you. Yet you're chastising him like, I bet he never made tomorrow's like these. Ooh. You're not in competition with Greasy Abe there, uh, Danny. Joey, of course, comes in with drinks for everybody. He puts them down on the coffee table, and he's like, oh, where are those s'mores? As he rubs his hands together, sits down on the couch right exactly where Michelle put them. Why she didn't put them on the coffee table, who knows why. So Joey could sit in them. He's like, oh, I know where they are. And, of course, instead of taking these off of his behind, where these hot, bubbling marshmallow s'mores are, they're like, hey, let's have a little fun with this. Let's peel off the paper plate, and Joey's behind is covered in white goo and graham cracker and chocolate. Back, uh, and Jesse and Becky are like, oh, I gotta have fun with this whipped cream as I spray it up Joey's crack. And then Becky's like, oh, I can go one better. Let me put a cherry at the top of the base of the crack. And it's like, that is so gross. You want to know what's even nastier? Is Danny saying, hey, I wish we had six spoons. That is nasty. But you want to know what tops that? I'll tell you what tops that. Is Comet coming up behind Joey and taking a big old chunk of the marshmallow into his mouth. That is so disgusting. Why did we need to see this? It borders on the line of pornographic. It is that gross. It makes me want to retch. The girls apologize, like, I'm sorry. I hope we didn't hurt your feelings by talking too much about camp. Michelle says, look, Uncle Jesse, I'd rather you not call me trail mix. Just stick with calling me munchkin. He's like, that's fine. That's fine. I can do that. Joey, of course, runs up the stairs with Comet chasing after him, trying to get more of the marshmallow goodness on Joey's behind. Ew. Ew, ew, ew. Just ew. 
And in fact, you know what I think that is? That's payment for when Joey shoved Comet's face away. Like, get out of my way, dog. I'm hugging my fa our family. You're in my way. And I will put that scene on the Instagram and the Twitter and the Facebook so you can see. It's like, if the you didn't want the dog in the shot, then why did you have it there? Oh, and also Stephanie does say, look, we had a lot of fun at camp, but we really missed you guys. And Danny is, like, just begging for, like, really? You mean it? You really missed us? He's, like, hanging on the edge needing the clarification. Look, oh, you really actually did miss us? I thought you wanted to go move into Camp L L Lakota and leave us all here. Because apparently those three weeks were the most miserable that Danny has ever been. Like, when those kids aren't there, it is just dead. That house is dead silent. Meanwhile, you got two rambunctious little two-year-olds that are running around. They didn't create enough chaos for you? I don't know. I get it. Yeah, he misses his kids. They all missed him. They all missed It was three weeks. Three weeks. Imagine if they'd been gone eight. Yikes. That's the episode, everybody. <laughs> Wow. Oh, my goodness. That scene was played for last with Joey with that marshmallow s'mores butt stuff. And I just think it's so nasty. Like, why did we have to reach that level of grotesqueness? Why did... It was bad enough with it on his butt. But Becky... Jesse with the whipped cream of the crack... Becky with a cherry. Danny saying we just need six spoons. And then, comic, like I said, coming along and just ramming his face into Joey's butt. And just taking all of the s'mores that he can. Yuck, puke, barf, vomit. You sicken me. Full House, you didn't need to go that far. I love you, Full House. I love you. But why did you have to go that far? Alright, so coming up in August next week, I am going to be jumping into, since my birthday is in late August, I am going to be focusing on birthdays. It's going to be a fun time. The first one up is going to be 13 Candles, which is Season 3, Episode 13. I cannot talk today. Season 3, episode 17, entitled 13 Candles. That is going to be DJ's birthday. She has a crush on a boy named Kevin. Sweetest little boy. I wish we saw him more than just two episodes because he's in uh, Just Say No Way. Or is it Just Say No? What one is it? It's called, if I can find it. Oh, for heaven's sake. Seriously? Okay, sorry, 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 guys. Sorry. 13 Candles is Season 3, Episode 17. Just Say No Way is Episode 21 of Season 3. Then from there, after 13 Candles, we're going to move on to Stephanie's birthday, which is going to be Season 4, or Season 5, Episode 16, entitled Crush, where we have guest star R.I.P., Tommy Page comes to Stephanie's birthday party, sings her a song. She develops a crush on him, wants to get married, and it just snowballs from there. So not only does he have Stephanie hooked on him, he gets his hooks into DJ, offering her a backstage pass 
having her take him on a tour of San Francisco, kissing her on the mouth, just like he kissed Stephanie on the mouth. Oh boy. After Stephanie's birthday, we are going to move on to Fuller House Season 1, Episode 7, entitled Ramona's Not-So-Epic Party. Kimmy and Fernando put together Ramona's much-anticipated 13th birthday party, and it doesn't go as planned for anybody. Meanwhile, Steve, out of jealousy, tries to set up DJ's attractive co-worker with Kimmy. And then we jump back to Full House Season 2 episode, for heaven's sake. No, that's not it. I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> Here we go. Season 2 of Full House. Episode 20, I'm There For You, Babe. This one is Jesse's birthday, and I am doing this on August 19th, which is John Stamos' birthday. I'm doing this in honor of John Stamos, just like I did with Andrea Barber for her birthday. So, yeah. When uh, Jesse's birthday, 26, starts with presents that are quickly followed by demands to help the girls, Danny and Joey, in the evening, he's to have a concert, but his band has left for another town. Yeah, because he double-booked his band. So, uh, things kind of take a turn for the worst. <laughs> um, after that, we conclude, very end of August, we conclude the Full House Summer Fun series by... Season 2, Episode 1 of Full House, entitled Welcome Back. In this episode, we meet Jimmy Gibbler. DJ finally decides between Matt and Steve, but they throw her a curveball before her annual back-to-school barbecue by announcing they have girlfriends. And Fernando is homeless, so he moves in with them. So, yeah. I just thought that would be a good little bookend there. We started with Full House, Tanner Island, we end with Fuller House, Welcome Back, and then in September, I will be doing the Back to School episodes. And then there are two episodes, one of Full House, one of Fuller House, that are Halloween related, so I'll really only be doing maybe a couple of those Full House episodes for October, then we move into November with the Thanksgiving episodes, and then of course on the Christmas, Christmas, December, guys, it's going to be packed with a lot of Christmas episodes, Full and Fuller House alike. And then in January of 2020, I'm going to be working on the Jesse and Becky series, which focuses on their first meeting, them announcing their that they want to date, their almost wedding elopement, their engagement, their wedding, her finding out she's pregnant. Yeah. All the way up to the birth of the twins. That's going to carry through all the way, I believe, possibly through February. And I will also be doing Valentine's Day episodes of Full House for that month as well. So, yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, it would be really good to bookend that with the Save the Date, which I think is where Jesse and Becky renew their vows. So I think that would be a good bookend. For that so and then we'll just kind of plow, uh, figure what I want to do next after that I can't really see anyone having had a great uh, outfit for this episode the girls were all mostly dressed in Camp Lakota t-shirts uh, Jesse and Becky were dressed in uh, nightgown wear 
My favorite character is Gilbert for this episode. I don't normally really have... I mean, sometimes I have a worst character, which I really... I'm going to call Michelle, just because you did not need to bring that rabbit home. You stressed him out, could have had a heart attack. I'm surprised he wasn't covered in filth when you pulled him out of that duffel bag where he probably couldn't breathe. Um, there's a quick little story I have of something similar where luckily it ended, it ended okay. It could have been a lot, lot worse. Um, I was probably about maybe 14, 15, 16, maybe 16. And, um, my sister had, uh, you know, her, her son, he had a little friend over and I guess they had a, was it one or two cats that they had put into one of those, like, zip-up, like, kind of like a duffel bag, but smaller. And we were all, you know, the the friend had went home. And um, all of a sudden, my sister's husband says he heard some noise coming from the back bedroom. And he pulls the bag and he opens it. We don't see this happen, mind you. But he calls Nicole back there, my sister... And they, they had a pool outside, so luckily, because they had to run outside with these two cats that were stuck in this bag that were covered in, in sweat and probably fecal and urine and everything. I don't know how long they had been in there, but luckily they were able to get the cats into the pool and just get them cleaned off and try to, like, guys, that is, don't ever make sure, if you're, don't ever Kids, don't do that. Do not stick an animal in a bag and zip it up like that. That's how animals can die. That is just is not good. Well, like I said, it, it, it worked out good. I remember <clears throat> my sister called um, the boy's number, talked to the mother, and all you, she had to like pull the, put the phone away from her ear because all she heard was the shouting, the mother shouting at her kid. Like, what in the world? These two, and I think they were, like, maybe almost full-grown cats that were both stuffed into this bag. But they lived. They lived. They were freaked out, but they lived. That freaked me out. That scared me. There's another thing, like, don't leave your animals in hot cars. Even if you have the window open, it's like, if you can leave them home, leave them home. You don't need to take them with you if you need to stop off to get some milk. Because what could be milk could turn into a full thing of groceries. And a half hour later, who knows what's going to happen. So just, yes, definitely don't ever, like I said, don't do not do that. So yeah, worst, worst character is, is going to be Michelle. And then second is going to be Joey. Like, why did you have... I mean, I'm sure that wasn't a character reaction of shoving comment out of the way like that. That was probably Dave Coulier. Like, dog, you're in my way. Get out of my way. So. I didn't really have a favorite line. I thought... The one scene I thought was cute was Jesse and Becky actually getting in the kids' bed. You know, Nikki and Alex's race car beds to try to get them to sleep, and they end up falling asleep. But then, of course, like, the twins run to the big bed, and they just, they hold each other as they fall asleep. That's just so adorable, so. Alright, well, like I said, I will be back next week, and we are going to jump into the birthday episodes. So look forward to seeing 16, uh, 16, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 
King Candles. Um, I know I said I would get to Driving Miss DJ. If there's time in August, I will get to it. I'll do my best, but if not, I can always save it for, for down the road. Have a great, great day, everybody. Bye-bye.